everyone, and welcome to Scene Partners. Scene Partners, you're supposed to harmonize. I like that you just went. It's like I don't know where you're going. Just match him in some way. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't going anywhere. You reminded me of this TikTok I saw the other day when it was like the worst times to go down when you can't hit the high note. Oh yeah, and it was this dude singing um uh the Hunchback. I saw yeah the no bells, I saw that the dude bells, the bells, that the guy's bells. that guy's voice is insane. Yeah no he was bells of no try dog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is so good. I've, I've been in that situation before, though, as like a bass baritone that gets cast because, you know, there's probably not enough dudes in the show mm-hmm. and they throw you into a part and they're like, hey, you're not going to be a tenor. OK, you're not going to be a tenor. <laughs> so uh, sing this song. I mean, everybody knows. It's just yeah. like whenever I was in Little Mermaid. We're never going to change the key for you. Either. Never going to get changed. And I'm just going to try to scream sing this and all the fishermen's friends lozenges and it is watching your <laughs> face world. like have all the blood in your body rush to your face oh just to squeak those notes out oh it's just so sad that's like gotta be the that's gotta be the saddest moment in my theater no it's not true no, no i have watched you work <laughs> gotta be sad i have worked i've watched you work really hard and that's the hardest i've ever seen you work on stage that I was working real hard to not look <laughs> apparently forty and like I used to be someone. That's not fair because <laughs> but that your co-star be my, like, looked really, really, really young. That should be on my on my like Yelp review of Cody as an actor if they have those like online. If they ever start doing like what was you know I'm gonna Google this guy and see what his Yelp review is. Is like he worked really hard. Someone once said, <laughs> <laughs> "This is why I prefer you with the beard." <laughs> Yeah, it like completes the look. Oh, of sadness! It that was that that was such a sad, sad endeavor. Mm. Especially because when I heard that, um, because afterwards, you know, the, my co-star in that show, she was she was twenty two, twenty three, yeah, something like that. And she, like, you know, Taylor can breathe and get a new ab. I mean, yeah. it's just not fair. And I'm, you know, which is crazy because I watch her eat so much freaking junk food all the time. And I'm like selling her out right "Mm, here. Oh, absolutely. I have no (laughs) shame. I'll invite her on here. I'll call her out. Um, But just just the fact that like she looked she she was like in great shape, looked really young. And then it's like, hi, I am the prince. (laughs) Welcome to, you know, Arendelle or wherever they live. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what the name of their kingdom is. It doesn't matter. Um, but still, I just that was in my mind the whole time. I was so self conscious about the fact that I was older than her and I looked older than her. Yeah. Oh, and then of course, right afterwards, her friends say, "Hey, is that guy like forty or something? Did he used to be somebody?" This is. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, like so conducive yeah. to last week's episode about talking about ego and oh, getting man. it in check. You want to talk about? I told and I said on that episode that I have been humbled. <laughs> I have had my humbling moments for sure. Uh, I don't know if I needed that one. There's been enough other ones. Did you know that rock bottom uh, was not actually the bottom? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't There's until a step I did lower. a show about a girl who <laughs> just got a legs. Um. So anywho. <laughs> Well, like speaking of, of jumping straight in of music, um, there I watched this video this past week about uh, 
this this famous composer, he's talking about music in like film and television and and on stage and stuff like that and the importance of it and how to use it. And mm-hmm. what's what's cool is I didn't know this. Um, he was talking about they have these sessions in movies and TV shows where they call it spotting, like where music cues are supposed to come in and and what it's supposed to mean. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that that even had a term. That's yeah, really cool. Me neither. Like, and he brought the he he said here's the best example of the the perfect spotting in a film, and he shows Castaway, and he said. And I didn't know this either. Having watched the movie, he said the the first sound cue in the entire film from music is an hour and a half into the film. Yeah, there's there's like no, there's nothing in there. It's when he's it's leaving the quiet. island and he's looking back and he's reflecting. Mm-hmm. And he said uh, music is only as powerful. Uh, it's only made uh, powerful because of the silence before and after it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. But, you know, it's the same thing with, with acting, and we talked about that, like, earning the moment. Yes. That movie earned it. Because, yes. of course, whenever that happens, you cry. Because in that moment, the music informs you exactly how the, you're meant to feel in a way. Yes. Well, because it's so crazy, because if if used earlier or, you know, at a different point in the film, it changes the whole meaning to that moment. Right, you wouldn't notice it. When he's looking back, and it's he's leaving this place of safety... Mm-hmm. But he's going, you know, he just broke the waves to get back, you know, off the island. And he's looking back and it's like, there's my home, but it's not my home. But yeah. I have to leave and I've made these memories. And it's all of these self-reflective things. Like he's at a crossroads. He could go back to the island or he couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what a what a really cool way to use music in in that form. And how important is it that we use it like on stage? Because I know that... We've used it as a as a couple of cues here and there to mm-hmm. maybe like inform maybe the mood for what's about to happen. Well, I'd say that's why it's really important to have people like Christian Godet who did our theme song, you yes. know, our intro and our outro for our podcast. You know, we asked Christian if he would write us something. He was like, "Here you go," and like literally in five seconds, he's like, "I wrote this once." And yeah, I, I don't know. Do you like it? <laughs> here's 17 other options yeah here's some options for you i mean it's just it's just something that he's so good at just mm-hmm. being able to convey a feeling and you know i i it's so great to have somebody like him in your corner that you can say hey this is my overall feeling of my show yeah and i need some music mm. and that's i'm super excited because th- there's stuff that i would really love him to to do for mockingbird oh yeah and you know that I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to fall into the, the trap. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, there's, it's just music and live music in a play mm-hmm. is amazing. I mean, having pre recorded tracks and using that in a show as a soundtrack almost, you know, yeah, is awesome. And it lends itself so well to creating that environment. Yeah. Which is a huge thing. And I want to make the distinction, not not musicals, because those cues are yeah, written in. Not a musical. You know, yeah. But you you call it a play with music. Yeah. Which is a strange distinction. You know, it's not like like Peter and the Starcatcher is actually considered a play with music. Yeah. Um, that we've talked about before. And the music in it, it's the, there is some light singing, kind of, but it's more or less like sea shanty. Yeah. And then there's just background music that accompanies some of the monologues. Mm-hmm. And there there is like a small band that's on stage and plays. 
but it, it all works. It lends itself so well to the show, but it's not a musical. Yeah. Because a musical is, you know, when the song is, it, it, it conveys the plot, pushes the plot for, yeah. forward. But, you know, play with music, it's just, oh, this is just a part of it. Yeah. I'm not up here monologuing through song. Yeah. So um, it, it is a strange distinction, and it's hard to, like, say, oh, we're going to do a play with music. But I think if you do, like you were talking about, like if you're doing a monologue with music, then it's almost as if that that I think I struggle with a little bit because it's like you're invoking this emotion, mm-hmm. and you're also giving the actor this extra tool to, like, sort of milk the audience for this thing that I you're trying don't to do. struggle with it at all I think it's freaking amazing <laughs> and it is <laughs> well I guess because I like I love the challenge I want to earn it I want to I want to you can still you earn it no no but there's yeah, you know no what I mean. reason there's no like it what I look at it like texture you know there's yeah. there's good and there's bad texture and of course you don't want it to be like sandpaper but it's <laughs> <laughs> but you there's good and bad texture you want it to be you know pleasing you yeah. want it to, to be to lend itself to the show um and to complement it and i think that if you can do a monologue you have to you have to have the audience first yeah. for the music to be able to do that to them but if you can do something you know like i think about in um in christmas carol right before whenever the um when they when we were doing the show and and Scrooge is about to, to the the clock is about to toll, mm-hmm. and Scrooge is about to dismiss, um, Lady <laughs> Bell. No, <laughs> starts with a D. What is her name? The her his maid. Oh my gosh. Oh man, dude, we're what gonna in get the world for this? I cannot uh, believe that I. You know, I'm gonna. What's so sad, Miss? Is I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. This is not Dilberry. What is? Yeah, uh, uh, oh man, Dilberry. <laughs> it's not it. Dilbert. Dilbert. <laughs> Dilber. Lord, I'm gonna. What's so bad is that I listened. Like if I listen to this again, mm-hmm. I'm gonna hear that, and from the very beginning, I'm gonna go Dilber. Dilber, you You're moron. Screaming. What is wrong with you? Just say it. Um, when he's about to dismiss Miss Dilber for the night or whatever, mm-hmm. and in the play, the Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel mm-hmm. started, and it was my favorite moment of the whole show. Yeah, because it totally sets this, you know, it's this like ethereal, yeah. magical moment where you're like, oh my god, there's just this darkness. Something is coming. Well, that's this. That's a whole different thing in that it's almost as if it's this shift. Yeah, and we need that cue for the audience to also cue in as well. Right, but you know, that's not in every Christmas Carol. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it just. This but in the version that we were why telling, the one that we yeah. did so much better than anyone else's. <laughs> it's just so good. I've um, never seen a better Christmas Carol. The but I would I would, well I don't want to say contradict, but I would also uh, compare that moment to when um, we did the Exonerated, and the character that I was playing was going through this very dark uh, piece, and then talking about like the loss of his family and mm-hmm. how it broke his family up for this wrongful imprisonment. And then all of a sudden we in that, and it shifts to the next person who's a little more lighthearted in their story. And there's a, that tonal shift as well. And it was something, and even though there was music within that, it was something so I think, and I guess it's just every moment has 
the opportunity to either use or don't use it. Yeah. And and it's just your option. And well, and what same you show. At the very end of that show, you have the character that um, that Chris Jardin was playing. Yeah. And he, you know, at the end, his whole thing was him trying to find his faith, this particular character. And he had lost his faith throughout his journey from being incarcerated, wrongfully incarcerated. For Yeah. And then he gets exonerated and he's trying to find it again. And then at the end of the show, he's delivering his monologue. And we made the choice of having him sing acapella amazing grace yes and you know his whole thing was it was just such a beautiful theatrical moment like i i think about that moment from that show all the time of just him reaching up to the spotlight and his character was could turn off the rain was like his thing at at when he first came in and so he he had tried and he the the show I, i i can't really explain the whole show right now but it was just this beautiful moment of the character talking about something that he used to be able to do. Yeah. And then he couldn't anymore. And then at the very end, he had started to regain his power. Yeah. Of, you know, of, and his faith and being back to normal. And so he sang that song and then reached up to the light and we had the sound of the rain and he turned it off and it was complete silence. Yeah. And it was just like in those moments, just kind of like what you're saying with Castaway, the silence is just, it is it is a sound of itself. It's just so palpable. Like you feel the silence, Yeah. but you do have to earn it. Yeah. That's what I think is so brilliant about that. That guy said that. Yeah. About, you know, getting to the point where it is necessary. Yeah. And I think that's the whole thing. If it's not necessary, yeah, how like does, I was saying with texture, then it does, it doesn't need to be there. Yeah. If it doesn't lend itself to the story in any way, like what are we, what are we conveying to the audience when we have music yeah. in a show? Or on film or, or in a television series. Like, that that's what's so important. Like, if it's not lending itself to the story, then we're just using it as, as filler. And I think that we see that in a lot of, like, major blockbuster films. Well, that's why you don't remember any, like, you don't know, probably off the top of your head, any, like, modern day composers from some of the films that you've seen. Oh, absolutely not. Like, but there's I can't also tell another you, like, reason I watched for that. King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. And I watched... Mortal Kombat. These are like two very. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I know that. I have watched in the last four weeks off of. Yeah. Yeah. But that's an iconic song. I knew that. I know that one because it's, of course. But you'd. I watched these movies. They just came out on HBO Max. Um, Not a sponsor, but they could be. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I would like to watch these shows and you don't remember the soundtracks like you do for Star Wars or Indiana Jones. See, like you don't remember the John Williams or like Philip Glass. Like these are amazing. Or what's his name? Michael Richter and uh, Richter. I mean, there's so many other amazing composers, Mm -hmm. but they're not in these big blockbuster movies anymore. And it's just so interesting because they write these iconic things that you just like, I listen to soundtracks all the time and you just don't hear anything that's worth. It's just like all swells and just like, all right, we're just going to, we're going to manipulate the emotion of our audience, but we're not going to really pay a lot of money for it. (laughs) So who's got a Casio? So the thing is, I actually watched a video breakdown on why this is in modern film. And the biggest reason is because, uh, this guy was saying like when when we edit well when we like not me but when when films are edited today they you edit have, it you haven't been editing 
<laughs> any huge blockbuster films yeah, lately? Not yet. No. Nope. So weird. Uh, I would think won't. after this podcast. Feels really tedious. Um, I mean, <laughs> feels tedious. Um, but one of the things that they were saying is like when they're editing the film, they'll have a song playing in the background. So when they're doing like action sequences or things like that, it's all to a rhythm already. So by the time the composer has the footage to sort of write the music and compose it over the the the, the images there, it's they're having to use sort of that same rhythm that's already established. So it's almost like their creativity is is almost being yes. Whereas stifled. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, like one of the famous John Williams um, stories is that. He was recording for Indiana Jones, and he looked over at uh, um, oh, Steven Spielberg and was like, "I'm so sorry. That's like uh, uh, we were a second long on this thing over here." And Steven goes, "Well, we'll just cut a frame out of the the, the film to to make it work." And that is collaboration, right there. Yeah, that's collaboration. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna make. That's this also work for working you. with John Williams. I mean, yeah, did, <laughs> but still. It's 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 one of those, you know. We oh, I did it. Oh, you I did, did it. You did I it did hard that thing. time. You were like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a stopgap before your next thought. But it's basically we don't have those same composers that are a lot. Well, also, you know, a lot of movies nowadays are like just freaking streamlined. Hurry up and get it out. Oh, yeah. Hurry up and get it out. So that we don't. I mean, even the new Star Wars films, they don't have any discernible music. To them, yeah, except in the for same like way. the classic, yeah, like when the they bring back the, the nostalgia. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, there, there's nothing there. I mean, I think mm. if I had to really, really sit down and say the, the only movie within the last like five, maybe 10 years that had a soundtrack that I could recall might be Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. I was thinking about Dunkirk. Ooh, yeah. Um, but just because listening, it's not like, it's a real soundtrack necessarily. Yeah. It is it it just totally 100% manipulates your emotions without you knowing it. Yes. <laughs> but that's like the perfect use of light motif. Yeah, it's very very light. It's it just totally earns like the whole time that you're watching it you're just like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. When when is this going? And you know another war movie that does a really good job of that is what is it? What is it? Is it 19 19 one what is the do you know what number what do you know what number i mean does <laughs> <laughs> 1914 oh you're about the, uh, the movie about world war one those two yes. guys are trying to deliver the message oh man yes it's, oh yes my god that movie is so amazing it's all like a one shot yeah, is it 1914 i think it's something like that yeah it's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, you might want to go ahead and look that up. I mean, because especially I'm gonna be screaming at myself. But um, you know, while you're looking that up, you know, speaking to light motif, I think the perfect example of this is in the, I think the Lord of the Rings trilogy, like the Lord of the Rings, not the Hobbit, is the perfect example of this. And when they do like they're building the fellowship all throughout the the first film, there, the only time you hear the full fanfare of the entire orchestra doing the bum 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 is only when the whole crew is together they're walking over that mountain otherwise they start taking things out when someone is not there or they're building like you hear it all throughout but Mm -hmm. that's the only time you hear the full fanfare and i think that's amazing because you feel like they're they're together there's nothing they can't do and then you know the fellowship ends up you know breaking apart as the, the films go on right yeah 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 i 
uh, I, that's kind of like listening to like, I was listening to Sondheim do an interview about, uh, into the woods. And he was talking about basically like, I'm not a brilliant writer. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm actually like a very simple writer. People just don't understand. Like whenever I started writing musicals, people didn't do like one simple tune. Yeah. He said he would come up with just, he was like, okay, I've got this tune in my mind, and now I'm going to write an entire musical based around this one simple, you know, couple of chords. Yeah. And, um, and he did that with the baker's wife. Mm-hmm. He like has this, you know, this, this thing that's, that, that keeps coming up. And then whenever she's wondering whether or not, you know, when she has her affair with the prince yeah. that nobody likes to talk about, when she has her <laughs> affair in the woods, he, doesn't play the um he doesn't play a particular line yeah and and then whenever she, or no that's what it was when she's convincing herself to do it he combines the baker song that she was singing with um with him about uh like getting a kid in the woods yeah and then part of this other song of why not both yeah so he like combines both of the chords about the future I mean, it's just I, I i'm not explaining it right but he basically takes two songs that happen in two different moments yeah and the main little piece he puts them together in the music and you can't you it, it's yeah just it's brilliant it's, 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 the, it's the clashing of what she has already yeah. from what she thinks that she it's might the desire on the other yeah. side and but putting those, those things together and he does that ideas and yeah. then she literally says why not both that's the answer if you're clever and he does that right at the same time that, like, if you're not really paying attention, you don't hear it. Yeah, which and is honestly, great because those I chords, never heard it. <laughs> those chords that they use in that exact uh, moment, I think they 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 sort of clash. Yeah, where it's almost like you're playing a minor to a major, and it's like, ooh, but it works, mm-hmm. and you can't understand like like why. And now that you're explaining that, that reminds me of that dude on TikTok, the MT guy, mm-hmm. who breaks down all the music from from oh, yeah, musicals. Yeah, yeah. So brilliant, like in a way that I never think about. Well, it's just it's just such a fascinating thing, and I, I absolutely love music. There's a, there's a, um, an amazing composer in Chicago named Ethan, and Ethan is he he's just like for so long a, a whole bunch of shows that I was working on. It was just like he was always there, yeah, composing stuff. I mean, I I don't think I ever did a classical work in the professional world where there wasn't a composer, mm. which is interesting. Yeah. I, I never thought about it. It just seemed like a natural thing, which I guess really isn't. And then, you know, coming back here, that's not a thing. You no. know, people don't really have somebody create original music for their show. <laughs> no. And I, cause no. I remember asking Christian that whenever we were doing exonerated, it was like, Hey, this is like, I'm, I want some music for the show, is that something that you would be willing to to work on or create? And he's like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. No one's ever asked me to do that before. And I, I just, I find that interesting, I guess, just because it seemed like it was something that was yeah. always done that I almost took for granted. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I never did anything without there being, like, an actual, like, a professional composer on board. I didn't really think about that until just now. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, even Deppie amazing composer and writer he's written some musicals of his own and he's also like he just he just really understands the flow of a show Mm -hmm. also um and he loves heavy metal Mm. and i don't 
It's interesting. He, yeah, he's, he's a that you can compose and, and do those things. Well, I think that like there a lot of people that I know that were really into music, like in school and stuff, were also really into heavy metal. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe it just I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't understand it. I don't I know enough about music to be able to talk about the reasons I why that would be a good thing. A, as it's someone who me. plays music often, no, it's not. It's not I me. I don't get it. Yeah, but um, anyway, I he he did some stuff like for Midsummer Night's Dream that I worked on and some some other shows, and he just like it was always like, all right, what is going on with the actors, and what can I do to lend some some texture to the environment, essentially. Yeah, and that's why I just I love it so much. I just like those the. And that's also probably why I listen to soundtracks. I think it just makes doing mundane things mm-hmm. a little bit more interesting. Like it, it like helps me think. I think I think you just reversed my stance on music while doing a line or a monologue. Oh, I did. I think you're absolutely right. I think that you know, you you use all the tools at your disposal. I mean, yes, but also it you can just like anything, you can use too many tools. It can it can be it can be. <laughs> put in the wrong spot yes. you're absolutely right yes you can you can't just throw the whole kitchen sink at yeah, everything if, yeah. <laughs> like you got to be a little discerning yeah let's just sweep everything together mm-hmm. all right uh too many too many well that's like the the what he was talking about uh before uh austin winery when he's talking about you know it's only as powerful with the silence before and after that mm-hmm. music cue or that sound cue or whatever and well, i because think that's, that's so almost great. like whenever you have the feeling yeah like you feel it right when it starts, and then you feel it right when it ends. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's this palpable thing that I, and almost this ephemeral thing that I can't explain unless mm. you are an actor and you are on stage, and you know the second you've gripped that audience. Yeah, well, and it's also because you, you're like in this other, you're like on another plane, I guess, yeah. in that in that moment where you have connected. But you're also still kind of aware about yeah. what's going on. And it's also like an, 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 an acknowledgement of I'm having an insanely honest moment. Mm-hmm. And I know that everyone is keyed into it. It's, it's, it's just, just like a self-awareness yes. while you're also not self-aware. Yeah. That's, what's, that's what's so... <laughs> you're, you're keyed into the moment and you're so laser focused, but you also feel all of those eyes on you at the Everything. same time. It's just, uh, I'm, I, I absolutely. And unless you've it. ever had that moment, you can't explain that to anyone. Yeah. It is very, very, very strange thing. I mean, it's just yet again, one of the things that makes live performance so special. Yeah. I asked, I asked my kids the other day and said, you know, why, why do we need to have theater? Like, why do we need to have this thing? Why do, you know, people struggle so hard to have this career where they're acting on stage for not very much money? Um, Even whenever you think like Broadway performers are making a bunch of money, they're really not. And they're, you know, the amount of money they've spent to get to this point. And why, why do we need theater? Why do we need in the age where there are literally a streaming service for everything in the world? Mm -hmm. And, there's so much entertainment that you're already paying a monthly fee for. Why are yeah, you going to go? Yeah, it's an go, embarrassment of riches. Yeah, why are you going to go to a theater and watch a show? And how do you get people to do that? And why is it important that we continue to do it? And honestly, a lot of the kids were like, "Why are you making us think this hard?" <laughs> <laughs> Which 
kind of as an educator, I'm always like, yes, I'm doing my job. I want you to critically think. They're, they just, they I don't just want you to a, hear what you've been told and move on. Yeah. Well, it's also just kind of nice, too, because it's like, ah, this is something that you haven't thought of before. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're having a realization and you don't know the answer and you don't want to necessarily have to work this hard to get so it's bumper sticker ethics yeah it's <laughs> when true. in rome just yeah. do whatever everybody else does exactly and it's just kind of like oh well we have theater because we have it it's like no you have to work really hard to make this thing happen like yes. people sacrifice a lot just so that we can do this kind of stuff mm-hmm. so why is it important and i just i th- i think it is that that unspeakable connection that you get from watching someone else pretend to have an experience that they've never had that someone else has written that you identify with. Yeah. And there's this strange, there's so many steps to get to that point. And so many different people had to write, direct, you know, produce, act, just so many things to make that moment happen. And yet all of them understood how to get there. And now you're also a part of that as the audience. And there's just something so welcoming and familial about that. I just, I, that's, that's why I think it's important. That's one of the things anyway. And to tie it back that to... That you don't get yeah. from your, you know, $12 a month subscription. <laughs> right. Well, what's so great is those moments can resonate so strongly with you too. Mm-hmm. And that you can, you can look back and, and maybe it was just this fleeting thing. But it like it hits you so hard in that moment on stage and you don't know why you can't explain it. Yeah. In the same way that you're disconnected when you're sitting on your couch watching a TV show. Like those moments can be really powerful and impactful. But there's something about seeing a person. Well, it's also like I having don't feel pressure moment. to tune in. Yeah. I'm not like there are so many things. I just told you that I, uh, this last weekend was one of our first weekends in a while that Lexi and I were like, all right, we're going to be at the house. We don't have anything necessarily scheduled. We're going to get some stuff done around the house, but we're really not going to do anything. We're going to try really hard to not do anything. And I watched some TV, but I also like while watching TV would get up and do some housework. Yeah. And like we made, we made, you haven't had them yet, but they're in the fridge. So you'll get them before you leave. But there, we made some bacon wrapped dates with goat cheese in it. And this like honey, glaze with cayenne pepper that made this like oh my god it's just where where do you guys find these recipes so good what where did you hear this we're it's just that two-year age difference chris that's what it is we're so much more mature than you yes once you make it to this stage you will also have filthy peon chris we we do not find them lexi finds them this is i do appreciate you throwing me into the mold i just cut the bacon i just wrapped Look, the dates in the same Lexi's way that like, i've said before i associate you with her her with you yeah. well i mean it was a joint effort but she put in all the work oh <laughs> 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 uh, but still anyway it, they were so good but like i did that while it was playing i felt no pressure to sit there and actually experience or yeah, like engage you know, with every engage single moment yeah. and i can get on my phone or i can you know it's just there's so many distractions but I when you're in a theater you're in almost in like you know like daredevil's deprivation chamber yeah almost. like we're just gonna have a real nerdy episode today <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's almost what it is like i remember i remember and i've said this before when i so lost dis- my mind <laughs> <laughs> there was something about that play 
face. Um, so distinctly being at dinner with friends. I remember when I used to laugh and not wheeze. <laughs> it's because you made fun of someone. I know, and I and can't it became stop. Your thing. I literally, in class the other day, I wheeze laughed, and one of the kids went, what was that sound? I was like, that was... That was me wheezing. That's the sound of like, old you age. can just do that? I was like, <laughs> no, I don't I don't try to do that. It's involuntary. It quite literally just happens. But it's um man, you got me so distracted. I'm I forgot sorry. what we were talking about. No, it's just because you started thinking about the wheezer. <laughs> um Ah oh, crap. I don't I don't even I don't even know. Help you me. Remember, you remember when you were engaging in things. Oh, oh, yeah, we were I remember we were at dinner and everyone was on their phone. And that was the day that it clicked for me that, no, if I'm going to be with people, I'm going to be present with them. Yeah. And then after this past year, watching The Social Dilemma. Oh, man. The Social Dilemma was so I, rough. Like, it, I mean, it we really had like maybe killed two social or three media. podcasts in a row where we were like, Ooh. Yeah. And I didn't know if it was that show or my age, but it has been like, I just don't care. Yeah. And maybe it was just the pandemic, because in the beginning I was just like, all right, this is my only connection to everybody. Yeah. And then it became, well, I hate this. Yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> but it's like to see how these people have manipulated these algorithms to yeah. get you to, oh, well, he hasn't looked at his phone in a minute. So, well, like I'll say, I forget my phone places all the time. And like the other day, we had to go drop something off at the theater storage and um, that somebody had donated and and we were out and i had left my phone in the house mm -hmm. and i did not care that i didn't have my phone what i cared about was i know i'm going to show back up at the house someone is going to have texted me yep and they're going to expect me to send them a message immediately yeah and i'm not going to have done that and so then it's going to cause a whole other mess of problems because they did not receive that phone instant call, gratification. There will be a, yeah. Because no one forgets their phone. Yeah. Like, but ugh, it happens, and I did not want to turn around. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's like, gone. And if We've anybody, lost like, really loves me, they also have Lexi's phone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if it's that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but I everybody's that's, reachable. That's got to be what it is, is that, you know, for the two hours that you're watching someone on stage... You were engaged in every moment. You've put your phone away, yeah. and you're just watching all the little things like mm -hmm. coalesce into this beautiful, hopefully beautiful performance. Right. Well, it's kind of like one of the things that I love about you know Lexi's. Um, Lexi is Catholic, and I go to I go to mass with her sometimes, and it's one of the things that I love about going to mass with her. It's not that yeah. I'm. It's not that I am Catholic or. Or anything, but I I leave my phone in the truck the whole time, and mm -hmm. it's almost like this. It's just very. It's just so nice. Yeah, it's so nice just having that moment of being of of peace. Yeah, honestly, um, and just just having to sit there and listen. It's just so nice. <laughs> yes, so so nice. Um, I mean that was probably a lot longer than you necessarily thought we were going to talk about. I love doing this. Yeah. Uh, you thought we were going to talk just about that. Yeah, it was just a video that I saw that I thought was so interesting to see and, and think about music in a way that I had never thought about it. Like, who, what does a composer really think about, like, music yeah. and, and how do they well, approach it? Well, I think it? it's just like how 
you know, I, I've, I have this, I have an envy for things that I don't know how to do. Exactly. And I don't know how to, I, I don't play music. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to. I mean, I, when I was in the eighth grade, I played the trombone. I can't, I can't play the trombone anymore. I, I still have it. I can't play that. And I thought I was going to try to reteach myself. And that lasted for about an hour. And then Lexi was like, please, God. <laughs> Just like, don't do this. It's like when you don't, gave me that penny whistle for that anymore. show. And I was like, I hate you so much. <laughs> Just because I can play music doesn't mean I understand every instrument. You're like, no, no, no. You got this. You got it. You're good. You played the recorder in first grade. You can make this happen. Hot cross buns. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but still, I... I have this envy for I wish I knew what it was like to compose, but that's not that's not totally true because I know what it is yeah. to create something where there was nothing before. Yeah. And I know what it is to create something whenever you have just an idea and you have to add your stamp onto somebody else's idea, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I understand what that is. But I I so I, I think I can, in a way, identify with composing something because you are creating a world. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. You know, it's much like directing. You're, you're playing with environments. You are looking at emotion and how, you know, what, what the genuine human response is to things and how you would feel. It's just you're channeling all of that into sound. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like as a director, you're kind of, or a producer, you're thinking about it on the, on the whole scope of, of something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that was all very obvious, but I just yeah. had this, had this <laughs> moment of being like, I understand composition, <laughs> but you do, you do. I can identify with it in a yeah. way. Because, you know, in the same way that I think a composer uh, is trying to also tell the story in this meaningful and impactful way and having these, you know, spotting sessions, which I, you know, again, I didn't even know what they called that, that it existed, that you would sit down and not just let the composer pick when to add music, but you sit down with the producers, the director, everybody comes together to be like, just yet again, why like what we do is so collaborative. Yeah. And and it's awesome. Like you don't realize that when you watch a two hour movie, there's probably thousands of hours in this. I will say, I when I was on tour with the the Turkish rock stars, there. This is the weirdest place you have, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I will always have it too. It's never going to go away. It's part of me. Um, Ozan, who is absolutely one of the coolest guys ever, mm-hmm. is a brilliant musician. He writes music, and he, he's from Istanbul, and he writes. He composes for this long, long running. Turkish soap opera. And so he we would do <laughs> You're welcome. It just keeps going, doesn't it? Yeah. I um Ozan also called me Gator. Gator man. Gator man. It's just for like anyway, it doesn't matter. Um but Ozan was Let's let's circle back super, to that later. Yeah. <laughs> because I was from Louisiana. You'd be like Gator. Sure, that's the abbreviated story. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. Um <laughs> We had fun. Anyway. Uh, so so Ozan, like, this dude had a drive and just did not need sleep like anyone, like no one I'd ever seen. I mean, we would play concerts and we would be at the at the concert hall or wherever we were until like 2.33 in the morning. And then he would go back to the hotel. We would all pass out 
and he would write the music for the next day's Turkish soap opera that was like two hours long. So he would watch it and compose while he was watching it in the hotel room. And then around like seven, he would take a nap. And whenever we left, he would sleep and like sleep on the bus on the way to the next location. He'd wake up and there we'd go again. And he just did that every day. It's insanity. It's just it's just wild like that. But he didn't need approval, but he'd also been doing it for a very long time. And I think. Like Everything's this, you're too it busy. Was, it was a two hour. <laughs> it was a two hour soap opera. He yeah, said. that's. Ugh. He would send it off, but there was a couple of times where they would send him a message, being like, "This doesn't work. Change it." And he'd be like, "Because <laughs> he was also, you know, yeah, doing this other thing." Uh, but I do, I do wish that I knew more about music because that's kind of the only thing. That's like the one thing in theater that I I haven't done mm-hmm. is created my own. Music for the show. I feel like I've done all the all the other things so far. Do you feel like it's something that you could potentially one day do? Absolutely or? not. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's not going to be something that I do. Didn't even it's finish be this. Sentence. One of those things that, like, forever, as long as I hope that he loves me, that Christian will just like oh. help me, help me out. He's a good Please human. God. He will always help you. I I hope so because my Lord, we need it so bad. Hey, so uh. I'd be remiss to say that it wasn't the Oscars the other day. And so did you watch the Oscars? I did not. Yeah, I didn't either. So um, <laughs> I'm glad that we can start. I wrote it on the board. Um, it did make me think of, of the like, you know, the what's your favorite season? Awards from Schitt's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but so they, I did watch some clips today of the of the oscars like things that happened Mm -hmm. and i just kept thinking like how absolutely silly awards are like the award ceremonies and yes the lead up for it and and i i get it it's such a great moment for us to sit down and actually acknowledge the people that don't normally get acknowledged Mm -hmm. and i almost wish that like the tonys and like the oscars would lend itself more to the cinematographers, to the lighting, the sound, and the costumes, and the makeup, like all those other people that aren't always given accolades. Like, we don't have to give, you know, Meryl Streep another award. We don't have to give... But we should. Yeah. We we actually should be giving Viola Davis more awards. Oh, that's... that's, But that's like a whole other... Well... So it's interesting you say that because they do give out those awards. They just don't, they don't televise them. them. Yeah, yeah they don't, which is they don't crazy. Show you. They do it in like the in-between, which is like what a huge, to me, slap in the face of just being like, listen, we care about you, but America doesn't. Yeah. So it's, we're not going to show. And, and you know, I'm guilty award. of like today I watched Anthony Hopkins acceptance speech. Yeah. And he gave this touching tribute to Chadwick Boseman, who well, he, he felt did that like should win. The but... next day after he was awake. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I watched his whole, like, they, like, clipped it all together. And right. Everything. It was but, very good. Um, Still, I agree. Like, some of those people that, I mean, I guess when you know that you're a cinematographer, you're not going to get the accolades. But when you win the Oscar, you're going to be invited to the next film. Right. No, I mean, it's it's awesome. And I, and I think it's so great that it is a category. Yeah. But... I my thing is that I that my the, the thing that I'm asking myself is what is the point 
Like, what is the point of us doing these award shows? I don't know what the answer is necessarily, <laughs> but what's the point? What is so, the point of us? I know it's all money because that's always the thing. It's like, here's more money and we give stature. And so this way we know that, like, if this person's won this many Oscars, then we can put it on the cover of whatever yeah. that we do the next time so that you're like, oh, Francis But they also McDermott, have to, like, wine and dine. Three. Yeah, they have to, like, wine and dine the, the, the voting people at the Oscars, which is yes, a whole thing. Yes, they do thing. an entire yeah. campaign for yeah. an Oscar. They campaign for the Oscars. It's which to me is horse mess because it's like, well, then it just, it literally undercuts good performances. A hundred percent. Well, and, and it's like, I... Uh, I, yeah, I would have a problem with that. Sure. I mean, if I won an Oscar, I'd lose my freaking mind. But one, because I was like, I don't even do film. <laughs> I woke up today. I won an Oscar. I guess the only thing that I would have a possibility of winning as like uh, like a small theater would be the regional theater Tony mm -hmm. that they give out. But there's no way in the world <laughs> that that's going to happen. So. You you would be, oh man, who's that weird guy, Apocalypse Now? I can never uh, remember this dude's name. He worked with Francis Ford Coppola on... Jeffrey Dahmer. No. No. Oh. Uh, the, the Godfather guy. Uh, oh man, this is going to eat me up. I'm going to be sitting there. Put the put the uh, cotton balls the in cheeks. his mouth. <laughs> what is happening? I can't think of this dude's name. <laughs> but anyway, when he won... Stella? The, no. When he won the Oscar, he sent up the Native American person to go up there and no, give him an advocacy speech. No, I know you're talking about. I just also can't advocacy remember his speech. name. Oh, he was the Godfather, name. and we've done we've talked about him before. I know, and he's supposed to be so brilliant, but I just I think his personality bleeds over in his performances, and I can't stand him. I said Stella because he played Stanley in Streetcar Named Desire, yes. the film version. What is that dude's name? Anyway, we've done this already. Anyway, yeah, I'm just I'm so mad about it. So regardless, as someone who was uh, a part of, I think, like two award ceremonies locally, I just don't care. <laughs> well, and so then also, so I got an email the other day from a like a, a, a local, I guess you call it business. But anyway, it's like, you know, every town has a best of whatever. Mm -hmm. And so last year. Or no, not not 2020. I keep saying last year. Yeah. 2019, Play On was nominated for like one of the best theaters or best theatrical performances or whatever. Yeah. And since we got nominated, I got an email that said, hey, since you got nominated last year, this year we're doing it again. And we'll give you the jump on it if you spend $350, we'll put a full page ad in the paper that says that you're the best of and that people should vote for you this year. No. And I was like, girl, <laughs> we ain't done a show. <laughs> like, what do they vote for? <laughs> Who are they going to... Best, best local of? podcast? Best local... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm, I'm nominating us. Is that a... Can I, I wonder if I can nominate us for a can category get, that doesn't exist. Can we get the exist. full page ad Is and put our logo other, on there? That's what we should do. <laughs> I, if if you would like to donate, because Lord knows I'm not giving these people 300. That just I just think that's so ridiculous. Visit that's, our Patreon to so like, donate for the I know best this, of award. Yeah. I know this is absolutely re like silly of me, but the Oscars, like that doesn't affect my life. But mm -mm. I watch, or I, I know the Oscars are happening, and the thing that crosses my mind is I got that email for the best of mm -hmm. and 
I'm irritated. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> the same thing because you're I'm not going to pay the money. Yeah. I'm not going to pay the money. So I'm not going to win. So why do we even do this? That's mm-hmm. not what it's about. It's about me buying an ad. And then once you get to the thing, then I have to spend more money mm-hmm. for a table for my friends to come and watch me get this award. Or lose. And then I pay more money for another ad that says I won. Yeah. But $350? And you, then and then you get that accolade I haven't been able to do a year. show in a year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you $350. No, she, imagine, imagine if you win the award. emailed me twice, called me three times. Like, I don't even know you. Yeah. Imagine if you get the award. You get the little placard, all the accolades, whatever. All the and accolades, yeah. The, the streets will line <laughs> with people since we're in Louisiana just throwing Mardi Gras you could, beads you, at you me. Could, you, could, you could put the little stamp the on your... Theater. The best theater group from 2008. <laughs> from... <laughs> <laughs> I'll hang it right over the computer where we record <laughs> we, the podcast. We have it one in 13 so years. <laughs> so we can see it. Yeah. Every every single poster from now on will say nominated. Yeah. We'll just be nominated. At this point, I could say I was nominated for an Emmy. Well. Well, that, that documentary that I was in was nominated for an Emmy. It was an Emmy nominated documentary. I don't know so that, that I could makes just you say, an Emmy nominated actor. I don't know. I, I don't know that that's how that sure. works. Which was a yet again another thing of if you win, you have to pay for that award. <laughs> did you know that? I did not. We got an email that was like, if you win, you can receive an award, but you need to send us some money so we can pay for it. We were like, no. Nah. Absolutely not. No, nah, we didn't win. But it was still like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Now, if you had one. In your first year of being a theater company, like, probably would have award it. winning Cody Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Cody uh, Walker in the Emmy nominated yeah, why? documentary. <laughs> <laughs> What's great is you can't remember the name of the documentary, but it's so funny. I don't know. It's so funny. It was when you were doing the Montana Shakes thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it's so funny. But anyway, I just thought that was so funny in the event that we win. This award is like two hundred bucks. That's like getting the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. They have to pay for that. They pay, yeah. That's the thing. Like you're always paying for these things. You think that it's like, a, oh, isn't this nice? No, you, you pay all this money to have someone dressed up like Spider Man take a dump on your freaking yes, name. That's basically. <laughs> Come on, like you haven't been there and seen like yeah, I've never seen Spider Man riff raff. This riffraff over there, man. Oh, That's a terrible that, part of the that town. riffraff over there. Oh, by my star. <laughs> Get off of my star. In 120 years, they're not going to give, you know, two flips no. who star is on the walk of fame there. I mean, half of the names you don't recognize anyway. Um, but still, I just, that's, I was just thinking about award ceremonies and like, they, they, they went forward with all the award ceremonies this year, even though covid and and everything and they zoomed things and they made sure it happened and you know jeff daniels just wore whatever he wanted didn't care took a nap afterwards yeah and and i just i just don't know why it mattered I, i guess it's like like i heard someone say when i was trying to look up some stuff about the oscars since i missed it just curious about who won like somebody in a gold dress that was six feet away from somebody else in a suit was like, I just, um, I really missed 
all the musical numbers. I wish they would have had more musical numbers at the Oscars. And I was like, well, I wish that um, like, you know, 500,000 people hadn't died from a pandemic. So I think maybe we can go without a musical number, yeah. Sally. Like, what in the world? You made that sound like it's Sally Field, and I want to point out it that wasn't it was Sally, not Sally Field. Field. That is, <laughs> is that the only famous Sally? Sally Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, is Sally Raphael still famous? Uh, Do you even know who that is? Nope. No, she had a talk show. Yeah. Does so. Anyways, I was just I was just curious about that about the award shows, and then it made me think of the best of. Yeah. I just don't understand. It's just all such a money racket. It's all a game. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. And yeah, I mm, did the did the thing. Yeah. Uh, I just don't care one way or the other. Like I, I, the quote unquote line of being snubbed. It's like no, you did something. You worked your butt off. Yeah, all it's still year. awesome. Now I will say, I think it's an absolute shame that Viola Davis didn't win. Mm-hmm. Yet again. And it's so sad. It's so sad. And I just don't understand it because she has got to be one of the best, if not the best, female actress in her age. Yeah. That we have. And I was genuinely surprised that Anthony Hopkins won when I personally feel Stephen Yen gave a better performance in his movie. Uh, oh gosh, Manical Manic, something like that. See, I don't, I don't, I didn't see. It's about this Asian American couple either. moving to America, and mm-hmm. it is oh, so good, so heartbreaking, and so just like beautiful. And I thought that was a much better performance than Anthony Hopkins gave. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Anthony Hopkins is 83, so maybe they were just like, hey, this is your last one. This is probably your last one. You don't think that, oh, you won enough? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what it was. <laughs> You've had enough opportunities. That's Give it to the it young guy. They were like, hey, do you remember that time where you were Thor's dad? We snubbed you then. Yeah. We're not snubbing you now. <laughs> Yeah, he really gave it your all in Transformers 5. <laughs> Was he in a Transformers movie? Yeah. Well, you know, Anthony Hopkins has, he's said it so many times. I take things that I think I can't do. Yeah. No matter what it is. And then I try to make it happen. Which is what, like, it was so surprising to see him in Zorro. <laughs> He'll do what he can. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, for many reasons, it was surprising to see him in Zorro. Yeah. Just throw that out there like, there's a lot of like um, there's a lot of self-tanner <laughs> on that man and maybe that wasn't an appropriate choice <laughs> i'm just look saying you need you need one famous person in a movie right he had antonio banderas who wasn't that famous yes at the time. he was well i mean and they had Catherine zeta jones yeah she speaks for herself i wish i wish that um I could tell there's a, the villain in that movie. I went to college with his daughter and he came and saw a production. And I wish that on this podcast, I could tell you the first the first thing that he said to me. He's also the villain from the third Ninja Turtles movie, which is what you would know him from. Maybe not the third Ninja Turtles movie. I'm going to say no. Am I selling you out to that? 
You don't watch. You didn't watch the third Ninja Turtles movie because they go to. Um, this is one where they go to Japan. Yeah, they go to ancient Japan. That's what I'm saying. Mm. He's the villain. He's Lord Nornor Naga. As a film He's that the I, dude that shows up on the horse. It, it, as a film that I hate and absolutely act like but doesn't you knew even his exist. Name. Yes, and I you know were his acting name. like I didn't know. What well, Lord? What? His name is Nor. Uh, the, his character's name is Lord Nornor Naga in the film. And the way that Leonardo defeats him is to take his two swords and use them as scissors to cut off his little top bun. <laughs> I know my turtles. <laughs> also, the original 1990 uh, Ninja Turtles film is completely underrated. The which one? Oh, the, the original, the first live action film where they're in like the suits. Oh, the live action film is awesome. Yeah. I mean, when I was, I mean, that's, I grew up watching that over and over again. I love that movie so much. You know, speaking of that, I rewatched the original Mortal Kombat and I can't tell if it's a bad, like the original Ninja Turtles movie too. I don't know if they're bad movies or just because I've watched them so much and associated so much of my childhood with them. If they're not really bad or if they are genuinely bad, but I'm so tied up with them but from watching them for you know 30 some odd years at this point Mm -hmm. i wonder (laughs) i wonder if if i could ask someone who's never seen either one of them to watch them and be like those are bad movies you have to stop watching those films (laughs) (laughs) oh i got totally thought i totally remembered this guy's name wrong Uh, anyway it doesn't matter i can't tell you what he said to me but i will later and you're gonna laugh um Speaking of the next thing we're going to talk about, uh, so I noticed the other day and the paper and the best of, since I'm, I'm on track, I'm on track, I'm keeping a snap. Um, I saw that the paper released, like our local paper released, that local theaters have reopened. Did you know that? Have they? That's what I was wondering. I was like, I don't know if we have, though, have we? And then I started to feel like, did I miss the memo? Now, I will say that seems like we have reopened because some local people are putting on performances. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Like some of the schools and stuff. And now they're doing shows with limited capacity and and all that. Um, and I'm so thankful that the, like the kids at these schools are getting to perform again. Mm-hmm. But I don't are we supposed to be doing a show right now? Like, I'm just, I don't, I don't know if that's a question I can answer. So confused by that. Well, here's the thing. Is I this see, one of those situations where we could get away with it, but morally, should we be doing it? Like, I just like, this is what's going through my mind constantly. Yeah. Like, am I messing up by thinking that I'm doing the right thing? And that I'm actually like, just what, what am I supposed to do? Again, like I posed the question before, it's what do you think you can live with? Can you live with someone getting sick or can you live with doing a show? And the thing is, is like I see fewer and fewer people in our area here wearing masks. Now, I'm no longer done. I've got my shot. I'm good. Let that herd immunity do its thing. I do think that if you are an anti-masker, then you should not be able to get the vaccine. Yeah. That's that's becoming my new theory. Yeah. Like, you know what? If you have never worn your mask and you don't think other people should, mm-hmm. then mm, I think you've I think that you've uh, you've you've made yeah. your choice. 
Like I, I genuinely don't want anyone to, you know, succumb to the illness that is COVID. Yeah, no, I don't either. And, but at the same time, it's also like, well, you're a grown person and you make your own choices, obviously. Well, that's the thing. Now that there is a vaccine and it seems like all of a sudden, because people are choosing not to have it, that we have an abundance of it. Now it's on you. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're making, you're making this choice now, like you can do this or you cannot. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, like, that's up to you. When I go to the grocery store, the only people I still see wearing masks are, you know, elderly people, like people that are a little older than and us. And half of the employees, but they're really worried that their chin is going to get sick. That's like all it is. It's just <laughs> yeah. like it's hanging like, on to their chin. It is on me, but it is not over like, I hate to see the way that you wear your underwear. Be. My God. <laughs> if that's the way you think masks work. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Out loud. I don't know where that came from. I'm just kind of like, sorry. It's inappropriate. Oh man, but no, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Uh, well, because like I'm trying to figure out. Okay, so I don't want to get left behind in a sense. Yeah. And not be all right. So am I supposed to announce that yet again we have, and I can't even tell you the number of times that we have a new date for our next show mm-hmm. because. I, I don't know if you know this, but this weekend coming up, like, well, this this podcast, like, you know, so tomorrow, Friday, yeah. um, or actually tonight, because it's Thursday. We release on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So Thursday night is our opening night for our last date for To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> Didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> Did not know that. Yeah. So, uh, so tonight we're opening To Kill a Mockingbird, but we're not. Because yeah. we have yet again, like the theater's not even opened. Mm. So what am I supposed to do? So now we've moved it to the fall. <laughs> so now we have fall dates. <laughs> and like how many times? This has got to be the fifth time yeah. that we have changed the date. Well, you know, we even talked about doing another two-man show uh, this past winter. And it was like, yeah, I don't know. that it's. It oh, we were so still. close. Yeah. We were so close. Because I thought. Ah, oh, we're we're gonna be fine. Really? Yeah. Like how many times I've said we're gonna be fine, and then it just we weren't. You can't pull the trigger. <laughs> we just we could. I couldn't do it. It's like there's if I do this, then there's no way. Like if I throw, you know, if, if I if I back this show and I spend all this money and we get to do it, I, I like we'll, we're done. The sh- yeah. The ship is is sunk. Mm-hmm. So, and if, if it does, if we do it and it doesn't work and we're not able to have an audience, I mean, I can't recover from that. So yeah. how in the world, like, it's so hard to know what to do to pull the trigger and to be like, all right, it's going to be okay. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, what you do is you just have a podcast for over a year. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> haven't done it yet, though. Did yeah. you know that? We have only been doing this for half a year. It's a little over half, but it's, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in that half a year, our Singapore listening base and our German listening base. <laughs> Hello, I don't know everyone. what it says. Yeah, I don't know what it says about. I mean, we're, we're like, you know, we're doing pretty good. There's like 15% foreign it's right now. You're world famous, and I am your sidekick. I don't know if we're world famous. We're 15% I didn't say world we're famous. world famous. I said you're world famous. And I'm your sidekick. That's there. The, actually, I kind of like that. I'm the Robin to your Batman. I'm going to work on that on the next T-shirt that I design. I'm the dog to your cat. Okay. Cat dog. All right. I got gotcha. you. That's a... No, I understood the deep, cartoon. That's a deep cut. 
That was a crunchy. Anyway, moving um, on. Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot to hear. Uh, hey, so uh, I've got a question for you. Okay. I don't have a question. <laughs> What? <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to segue. We gotta get out of here, I, man. I was well. That was gonna be my thing. I was like, I'm gonna ask him a funny question, and then I'm just gonna be like, take me home. But I'm already home. <laughs> All right. This is what, whatever happens. Is it your joke? Nope. Okay. Um, how about this? We just wish people well, and we say, until next time. We hope that you're healthy, and we'll see you. What Cody said. That was Christophanopoulos. And that was Big Kahuna. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's what I get for fiddling.